if you can picture people praising the Lord and saying hallelujah nonstop, uh, that's what it will be when he returns, just as it was when he left. In fact, angels, angel said to them when they were gawking up at the sky as the Lord was ascending to his glory, why do you look that way? This, the Lord will, will come back in the same manner that he ascended, gloriously, triumphantly, noisily. I mean, he wasn't making the noise, but, but the angels and, and the saints will be shouting joyful anthems in that time. And, uh, and uh, so we look forward to that. And it will not be a surprise. It will, there will be no um, uh, surprise visit on the part of the Lord. There is no rapture. In that sense, there will be a taking up of the saints into glory to meet the Lord in the air with his with the saints that are already there and the angels that will accompany him. But uh, that won't be anything but out there up front in the open center stage. And I hope uh, we'll be prepared for that as we are here for that purpose. So uh, let us now, uh, <clears throat> shall we turn to Philippians 1 1. That's the actual text. I said we'd get back to Philippians. I didn't say where, but uh, it's at the beginning. And it's the first verse only. Because we'll be talking about uh, two offices. The first one being the office of elder today. And probably next week too. And then that followed by the office of deacon. Which I think is, is helpful to all of us too, to know what they're about. What they do. And this is not a recruiting message, okay? Please, don't, don't take it that way. Although if the Lord calls one, if the Lord recruits you, so be it, right? It'll be the Lord. I, I assure you, it will be the Lord and, and not man. Uh, so Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, too. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we'll be actually looking at another passage. There's more than one that we could consider for Understanding what this office is about, but if you would just turn to Titus 1, chapter 1, uh, let me read that passage before uh, praying over God's Word. <clears throat> so at verse 5 through to verse 10, <clears throat> Titus 1, 5 through 10. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able 
by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. 11 also. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Thus ends the reading of our passage for this afternoon, and let us pray. Oh, Father, we ask that you would give understanding, that you would give light, that you would give clarity, that you give uh, the intent of the Holy Spirit by having spoken these words through your servant, the Apostle Paul. And Lord, that it may indeed be brought home to our hearts, that you would wing it home to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Wanted, faithful elders. The church lacks them and definitely needs them. Every church. In fact, the RCUS and other what we call Reformed churches believe that even before a church has a pastor, it ought to have elders and deacons before it could even be called a church. And with elder, elders and deacons as we are looking at, beginning to look at now, faithful elders and deacons, they may properly then know how to vet and call a pastor. That's how God's word uh, is. And you notice even in the book of Philippians, uh, how it was the brethren and elders, bishops or elders and deacons <clears throat> wanted the church uh, has lack of them and good men are hard to come by. But as you will see, having or not having faithful elders and for that matter faithful deacons will make or break the church. There are churches who, and I'm speaking now just for the sake of a background in our denomination that are no longer existing. And I believe it is not because only they are without a pastor, but perhaps also they are not without leaders or officers, as we call them, i.e. elders and deacons. Now, God wants faithful elders, according to verse 5. Faithful to whom? Faithful to whom? That's the question. And there are two answers to this question. It's a two-fold answer. Faithful to one's family first, and then faithful to God in his church. Faithful to one's family. Verse 6, if any be blameless, blameless means above reproach, meaning no one can point the finger and say, aha, you know. Now I know that we have something in our closets, okay, we all do. But what I mean, I mean as of uh, the time that the Lord has begun a good work in a person's life and has called him into his kingdom and has planning to use him in his church, uh, that should be the, the goal. A model of moral and spiritual character, that should be the goal. Starting with the husband of one wife, meaning one wife at a time, because actually there's such a thing as biblical divorce, that's another subject. You can read about it, for example, in Westminster Confession of Faith uh, 24, uh, for example, that biblically lays that out. 
although that's not God's will or what the Lord has joined together let no one put asunder but nevertheless it is reality that is divorce and there is such a thing as biblical divorce but we're assuming in the case of those who were divorced that they were biblically divorced before they were to take or assume the role of an elder of Christ's church. Now the issue here in, in this statement that the husband of one wife is that one is not polygamous. That means you don't have a mistress or even two wives as the case may be because that's against the Bible. You're to be a one woman husband in heart as well as in life. And then having faithful children, meaning your children are trustworthy and well-behaved and trained in the faith. Now as to whether they're uh, uh, Christians is, is up to God, but you do the best you can to train them up in the way that they should go that when they are old, they will not depart from it. You know, as you, as you listen to these qualifications for office for elder, doesn't it uh, become reminiscent of what all of us as Christians are to strive for, especially we who are men? Children who are not accused of riot, what's called dissipation, that's an old word that uh, may be described like the prodigal son who took his inheritance from his father early. He didn't wait for his father to die. He took it ahead of time, right? Because he was going to go out and live for wine, women, and song. As it says, wasted his substance with riotous living. And he sure did. He sure did, didn't he? Luke 15. But yet we don't know the whole story till it's over, do we? Not even there. Not even there. Faithful to God in his church. Faithful in his person. And also faithful in his work. In his person. For a bishop, verse 7. A bishop is another word for elder. And the word bishop comes from episcopos. Now you've heard that, that name or that word more or less, episcopalian, for example. Episcopos is the Greek word for overseer, someone who rules. An elder is to rule in the house of the Lord. Now rule, not with an iron fist, of course, but rule uh, according to scripture as Christ's under-shepherd, as one who has been appointed the servant of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. For they watch for your souls as them that must give account, that they may do with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Meaning, if they had to do it with grief and not with joy. And you must be blameless. Here it is again. Above reproach, blameless, model of moral and spiritual Character. Now, this is requisite. This is front and center. That's what you want, after all, isn't it? As members of Christ's church, as those who would join a, a church and become members of it, it, isn't it? Isn't that what you want? Someone who's trustworthy and not one who's not? As stewards of God, it's the word for house, oikonemo. That's the word for house, oikos. We talk of our, our, of our oikos ministry, meaning our ministry to our uh, extended families, to our relatives. Um, and, and, and then, by the way, the first disciples were actually members of oikoses of the disciples. That's where they started. By example, they were leading us. 
And the word means to order or arrange your house. Like when it talks about, uh, <clears throat> this is, I know, on the tail end of, of, of life, but when someone's about to die and then God says, put your house in order because <laughs> I'm going to call you tonight. And he, he actually did that, didn't he? I know in one parable it was, it was, it was uh, said by the Lord. Not self-will. Oh, by the way, what the, this means, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, sorry. Elders are responsible to spiritually feed the flock. And that means all that's involved in the care of the flock. Because you know, shepherds and, and sheep, they just don't feed them. They just don't lead them to pasture. They have to do other things as well. Look out for them. Take care of them. Clean them. Protect them. Uh, the, the, the list goes on. Leading is the start. Uh, training, as I mentioned earlier, about one's own little flock at home. Uh, you can't be. You cannot be an elder of the church until you are a faithful shepherd of your little flock at home. You cannot be an under shepherd of Christ's flock if you have failed as an under shepherd of your own wife and children. Forget it. Just give it up because you're putting yourself where you don't belong. And counseling. <clears throat> Just so important. I have, I have realized how important counseling is. It's not left up to the experts, the professionals. It's supposed to be done by the pastor and the elders of the church. It's supposed to be done by the mature men and women of God's people who can come alongside as older fathers and older mothers. Did I put that right? Uh, elder, you know, elder meaning older in the faith. Uh, not necessarily older in age. Uh, and, and, and be that to the younger uh, men and women of, of the church. <clears throat> to encourage God's people in whatever way possible. Not self-will, meaning self-pleasing. A will that asserts itself with utter disregard of the good and interest of others. That's not what this is about. If this is what you are about, get out. Because you're wasting the Lord's time. The world looks to the self-assertive type for leadership, right? The one who knows how to really make it work. That's not how it is, in, at least in God's book. That's not how it is according to Christ, like in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. It's not how it is at all. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. But Jesus called them unto him. Uh, and these were, and in the context here was of uh, two uh, brothers, disciples who were being for power in, in, the, in the apostolic band that we sang about and now we're reading about. And uh, so uh, the Lord says, in answer to the uh, situation, because the others were indignant about this and uh, perhaps for envious reasons, who knows, but it wasn't going well with the disciples. And so the Lord set the record straight and this is what he said. You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority upon them. We know that. 
but it shall not be so among you. That's not the kind of government that's the government of Christ's kingdom. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, meaning the one who will be a deacon. And the word deacon means someone who waits on tables. That's not a leader. That's not the owner of a restaurant. That's not the uh, manager of a restaurant. That's just simply the waiter or waitress of the restaurant. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, your doulos. And that's the word for slave. Huh? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like flip-flop, right? It's like uh, switching roles. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this is the criteria for leadership in the kingdom of God. And this is not my words. This is out of the mouth, the horse's mouth, as the saying goes. Not soon angry, meaning quick temper. Don't put someone in this office who easily loses his temper. Uh-uh. That's, that's an immediate red flag. Even in the midst of difficulties, a faithful elder tries to work with others. He tries. Sometimes it's beyond him. But yet he is seeking God upon his knees in prayer for himself. That God would give him patience. That God would give him kindness. That God would give him a grateful heart for the privilege of being able to give back what God has given to him that he has received from the Lord. It says in, in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, very revealing what uh, is in the mind and heart of the apostle Paul. And he, he bears this to his son in the faith and who is, who is also a fellow minister of, 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 uh, of the church. And by the way, if you're a minister of, of a church, you're a minister of all the churches. That's what I learned in the Belgian Confession last night or yesterday. <laughs> or at least I was refreshed on that point. So you, you can literally be in any church and minister the word of God upon permission, of course. You just don't barge in, right? <laughs> so in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, it reads... And the servant of the Lord must not strive. You know what that word strive means? It doesn't mean strive like, like try harder. It means fight. He should not have a fighting spirit, meaning fighting sinfully. Fighting for the Lord, yes. Fighting against sin and Satan in the world, yes. Fighting against uh, yourself, especially, your own uh, sinful nature. But against others, no. No. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patience, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. See how you, you deal with people who are an opposing side to you? You don't deal with them in kind. You don't, when they throw stones at you, you don't throw stones back. 
Now, that's what you would probably want to do. <laughs> that's probably what you would do, but for the restraining Holy Spirit that lives in you, you would, but that's not the Spirit of Christ, you see. You know, our Lord did when he was accosted. He, he turned the other cheek. He literally set the example for all of us to, to go the second mile, to, to do the very opposite that people would expect people to do. And that's why Christianity is such a, mis, like a misunderstood religion and, and one that, that, that people either are, are uh, querying about because they can't, they can't understand, it goes against human nature, or they're drawn to it. Like those that are in world religions like Islam when they see the difference between a religion of the sword and the religion of, of love. And then, and then being this way, meek, when you're, telling, you're trying to instruct others who oppose themselves, if God peradventure, that's an, a Middle English word for, if perhaps God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, but taking them captive at his will. Just like God released you from the bondage of the evil one, maybe he'll release them. Ever thought about that? And he'll be like you. Now when he becomes like you and he joins and he comes to your church, you gotta receive him. That's the other part. That's the part two. We're not gonna get into that now. But that's all part of the mindset and the heart set, if you will, of an elder. Not given to wine, meaning he is not at wine, at the bottle. Alcohol should not be his companion. No striker. He's not a quarreler. Is not violent. One who does not settle disputes with his fists. I have a friend who, whenever he gives his testimony of his past, he always talks about how he used to be a fighter. And since he was 14 and, and, and got messed up, he had a father who, who was messed up, who used to beat him, he used to beat him up. He was the same way. And this guy is, is, is brusky, you know. This guy is like Stallone. <laughs> When you look at him, even though he's up there now, he's in his, seven, in his early 70s. But I can picture him doing that. I could picture him taking someone out, okay? Don't be like that if you're going to be an elder of Christ's church. Or even do so with harsh and cruel and critical words. Romans uh, 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as life in you, be at peace with all men. And not given to filthy lucre. That's another way of saying this. Moolah, money. Being greedy of ill gain. Ill gain. Because there is such a thing as a genuine uh, sweat and uh, sweat of your brow <coughs> income that we are to be about. But, but in this case, uh, not someone who gambles. I know someone um, in Yuma who... Uh, can I say he makes his living off of gambling? And he, and he has a system, and he's doing very well at it. And now the, <laughs> he confessed, now all the uh, <clears throat> casinos are on the lookout for him. <laughs> you know, like, we don't want you coming in here, you know. So some of them have given him the boot. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Uh, <clears throat> seeking wealth at any cost. Seeking wealth at the sweat and... And, uh, and uh, the brow of other people who, foolish like you, are contributing to this uh, uh, nest egg that supposedly, you know, God's going to give you. Like someone that we met on our way back from Yuma who told me when he came into the 
um, well, you know how you go to a gas station and you go inside to uh, get coffee or use uh, the head. Um, he got all five of the lottery tickets, okay? And then I, I asked him, you bought five and why? And then he said, because I want to win again, because I won 94000 the last time I was here, okay? <laughs> and I gave him a track and he wanted to give it back. I said, no, you need this. <laughs> I told him. <laughs> it was humorous, but I was very serious with him because I know someone who, as far as I'm concerned, lost her soul. She, 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 was a, she got in the gamble, she was hooked by the bug, and she took all of her tuition for college and devoted it entirely to that and was busted. And it went from that to her being destitute. And the last thing we know is that she was wandering the streets and was raped one time. Can you believe that? This was someone who was a professing Christian, and so it could happen to anybody. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of hospitality, the word for this means affection for a stranger, willing to help anyone in the lurch. People that you uh, see along the street that you don't know, that, that you can see is really, really not doing well at all. And of course, a part of it is uh, because of addiction. And uh, yet you, you, you can't help but uh, bear your heart to them. Uh, so you give of some, not necessarily uh, a lot, but some of your treasure, some of your time, and even some of your talent. As uh, the Apostle Paul elsewhere says in Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, and boy, do we have opportunity, right here in San Diego, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith, especially if they're a Christian. And you will, you will uh, at times find out that, 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 yes, God's people get into these uh, uh, lurches and uh, it breaks one's heart. But you know what? Again, there's hope, right? Right? If there's God, there's hope, right? So you have to be a lover of hospitality. And also you have to be willing to entertain people, uh, other people that like are in your church. And, uh, and I know there's churches that, that do this for people that are visitors. Uh, they have families designated to do that. Or they have people that uh, uh, do the deacons especially uh, may be able to host someone that's in need. Like a friend of uh, ours that comes here from time to time who uh, is on the street. A lover of good men, meaning those who love the godly. Those who love the godly. David said, Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. We rejoice with them that do rejoice in the Lord. We weep with them that weep in the Lord also. Sober. Meaning sober-minded, discreet, does not let foolish and trivial things occupy his attention. Just, it's the word for righteousness, uh, diakonos. Righteous, fair-minded, who shows a balance in his judgment and character. Holy, hagios. This is the word for being holy, being being 
uh, without sin. Now we're not sinless, but we try, we strive for sinless, right? And so this is that type of a person who is seeking to be set apart from the world and to live unto God. Temperate, self-controlled, or better yet, spirit-controlled or led. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, temperance. That's the word, temperance. Faith, meekness. It is a, and as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And then to kind of cap all of this that pertains to the person of the elder, the type of person that the elder should be, and that is a faithful man of God. It says in Hebrews thirteen seven, remember them which have the rule over you. That's speaking uh, to you all uh, as you consider him, either one who is already your elder or one that you would call one day to be your elder. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, who have lived before you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or way of life. Meaning, really look at, at that and, and benefit from that and be enthralled at the grace of God that we're working someone uh, in such a way to put him there over you in the Lord, you see. And be encouraged that, that God has your interest at heart through his doing that. Um, now we're going to uh, speak next to his work it says in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. He is holding fast to the word of God. That he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Holding fast means to like cling with tenacity. Not letting go. Not being swept by every wind of doctrine that's out there. And you know, even in the Reformed Church, there are winds of doctrine that are out to take the church out. And there are those that are uh, present who are, 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 I'll just call them what they are, what the scripture describes them to be, and that is heretics of the faith who teach another gospel. A gospel of faith plus works, but it's very hidden and very uh, secretive, you see. And, and, and it's through these uh, uh, theological uh, convolutions that they that these are come about. And I'm not I'm not a judge of any of, of anyone. I'm just judging the word, because the Bible says that that we have been given the mind of Christ and we're to judge all things, meaning by the word. So if if the shoe fits, wear it, right? Wear it, um, and and especially. It's important to hold or cling to the faithful word as one has been taught so that one be, would be able by sound doctrine to exhort. It's the word parakleo, which uh, has the meaning of encourage. Encourage, yes, by the truth. The truth encourages. Error doesn't. And to convince or convict the gainsayers, those that are trying to make a buck out of this, as it were. The contradictors. There's so many who like to contradict so many who like to fight you uh, theologically and who like uh, to do so perhaps, and I, I can't judge a heart, but for name or fame or gain, I, any of those. Um, 
That should not be. That, that ought not to be. Now, we're studying the Belgian Confession. I have to read this to you uh, from the Belgian Confession, which, I, which is revealing to me of how an elder and deacon needs to also be a defender of the faith, not just the pastor. So uh, in <clears throat> Article 30, I'll read it. <clears throat> the government of the church and its offices. We believe that this true church must be governed by that spiritual polity which our Lord has taught us in his word. Namely, that there must be ministers or pastors to preach the word of God and to administer the sacraments. Also, elders and deacons who, together with the pastors, form the council of the church, that by these means the true religion may be preserved. There you go. And the true doctrine everywhere propagated. There we go. Likewise, transgressors chastened and restrained by spiritual means. There we go. Also that the poor and distressed may be relieved and comforted according to their necessities, and especially by the work of the elders and the deacons. By these means, everything will be carried on in the church with good order and decency. When faithful men are chosen according to the rule prescribed by St. Paul in his epistle to Timothy, and I might add also Titus, what we're studying now. They're very comparable. By the way, this is with regard to his work now. The word for elder is presbyteros, or presbyter. It's where we get Presbyterian Church, Trinity Presbyterian Church. We're also Presbyterian government. We are. And, uh, and that's uh, uh, from the word elder in verse 5 of our passage. For this cause I left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, lacking, and ordained elders, presbyteros, in every city, as I had appointed thee, speaking to Titus. The meeting actually has more of the nuance of old man, and it's not like old man, like necessarily of age, but of life experiences, who can speak from that depth and breadth of, of his experiences in life and knowledge and wisdom that he's gained along the way. And they are actually depicting the office of king, such as our Lord Jesus Christ, who is prophet, priest, and king. So you might call them kings under Christ, of course. Another title comes up, bishop, I mentioned earlier, and that means overseer. And so this, in particular, speaks to the task of ruling. And as I read earlier, I'll read also in another place, an elder should be apt to teach. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. It says... This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop or elder, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality. And then notice one last description, apt to teach. Apt to teach means able to teach and also willing to teach. Apt to teach means having the aptitude teach and that's something that doesn't just come with uh, natural 
uh, gifting, but is something that, yes, may start that way, but is developed through learning, through studying. I know, for example, some who went to seminary and sat <clears throat> in classes with me who were not called to the ministry, but wanted to become better elders and even better teachers in the church where they were at. <clears throat> now, the full-time one, the one who is an elder that is, is going to do this full-time, we call also minister or pastor. The term that is used in Presbyterian parlance is teaching elder versus or vis-a-vis ruling elders. So he is both a teaching and a ruling elder when he is ordained. And in 1 Timothy 5.17, it talks about that. 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. That's like honorarium or money, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And I tell you that word labor is uh, a um, work-intensive word, <laughs> a work-intensive word, uh, laboring in the word and in doctrine, especially defending the truth in our day. And so this is what he is to do, and the illustration is given of an ox that treads the corn and should be the first to eat, right, of that, to have nourishment uh, in his work. And so uh, there should be the support of those who would go into the full-time ministry, as you have uh, faithfully done uh, in the life of uh, your pastor and his family. Regardless, both ruling and teaching elders are to be spiritually mature and experienced men. That's the bottom line. As Proverbs 16, 31 points out, the hoary head is a glory, is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. So having that hoary head does not necessarily mean that one is living for the Lord. But hopefully so, in the case of those who would be elders or those who are elders, and even those that would retire from that office. Pastors and elders are sinners. Look at David and his life. And I think about his testimony and how um, this is a man who was known for having a heart for God, a heart that was sold out for the Lord, and how he wanted to be blameless, but yet he was tempted like, like all men. And yet when God brought repentance to his heart, you could see it in his tears such as in Psalm 51, when it says, I don't know about your Bible, but mine has an intro to uh, Psalm 51, and I'm going to read it from my notes here. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Wow. Can you imagine how, how this is all plastered all over the news, as it were, by being in the scriptures? How God is not holding back or hiding anything of sin. And this is one of the arguments and, 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 and one of the strong arguments, if you will, for the authenticity of the Word of God, that the Word of God is honest and truthful and trustworthy. And, uh, and, and when David was called on the turf, he didn't, he didn't hide anymore. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to rebuke a brother 
that he might repent. And when he repents, receive him back. He prayed this. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, meaning his covenant love. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my sin, from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before you. Before? It was before the Lord, but now it really is before the Lord because it's before David, and David's before the Lord. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. I want God that your judgment would be respected. I do not want any allowance for myself. I want you to deal with my sin and dealt with it. God did by taking away that child that was between him and Bathsheba. And though that broke his heart to no end, the taking of, of, of that life and especially as that life was one of the elect, according to David, when he explained why he stopped crying and why he washed his face after the child died. And how it was because this child was with the Lord and that though he won't be with me here, I will be with him one day. Care for the spiritual welfare of God's people otherwise called or known as shepherding the flock, when done properly, is a challenging job. Even in a small congregation like ours, many challenges, right? If you want to do it, God's way. One more out of the Belgic, which I recorded here, I'm going to read to you. <clears throat> Rulers of the church institute and establish certain ordinances among themselves for maintaining the body of Christ, of the church, sorry. Yet that they ought studiously to take orderly care that they do not depart from those things which Christ, our only master, has instituted. Therefore, we admit only of that which tends to nourish and preserve concord and unity and to keep all men in obedience to God. For this purpose, excommunication or church discipline is requisite with all that pertains to it according to the word of God, unquote. In conclusion, <clears throat> it's not how smart a person is. There are some churches that actually put into the office of elder people who are way up there like this, like a professor. And that's fine if that professor has the other requisites that are listed here, Right? But if that's the main one, uh-uh. The main one is what? Faithfulness. Faithfulness to one's family and faithfulness to the church, to Christ, the head of the church, and to the church. It's not even how hard a worker you are or how much you've accomplished in your life. And there is much to do in the church of the living God, mind you. It's, but it's not how successful, even as an elder, you are in terms of your accomplishments and what people think of you and, and what you can put on your, can I say your resume? Although I don't know uh, uh, if, you're, if you've served in a church for any length of time and, and, and uh, we have a rotation system usually. 
uh, that's in place. Uh, we, we're the exception to that in our church. <laughs> our men serve for life uh, only by choice, though. It's not, you know, like, like this, okay? So, so please don't, don't get that wrong. Uh, but nevertheless, it's not what you do. It's not the quantity or even the quality of your work that's before us here that is important. But your personal, moral, and spiritual rectitude. That's everything. And without that, no faithful elder. Character is king. Is a man faithful already. When you would choose an elder and even a deacon, that's the question you must ask. Is he a faithful man of God? Faithful to his family, to his wife, his children. Faithful to the church, God's people, his brothers and sisters, the community of the saints, and even the community at large. Is he known by those outside of the church as a man of God? Our Lord will one day say of, of such, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Because thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. He says that twice over in Matthew 25. And yes, it is up to God. One's faithfulness is up to God. And God's keeping you. God, and God's working in you. But it's also up to you. It's a cooperative venture between you and God. And you who would be a pastor one day. And you who would be an elder one day. And you who would be a deacon one day. That you would be faithful. 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 Elders are a rare commodity. And are in short supply. I have to tell you that. Just like pastors. <laughs> so pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth elders and pastors and deacons into his harvest, shall we pray. Father, we are thankful for this uh, brief overview of this office. It is such a lofty office, and lofty made so by the fact that it is in the organization of your kingdom. It is in the church of the living God, the true and living God. Oh, Lord, may we not take it lightly. May we, Lord, not put our hands suddenly on any man, for such an office. May we not, Lord, if we are those considering it, uh, enter into this, intrude upon this. <clears throat> As Spurgeon says, unless we can't help it. Unless we can't help it. Unless, Lord, it is our passion. Uh, as the word desire means in the Greek, <clears throat> desiring this office, uh, having a, uh, an aspiration, an aspiration, something that, Lord, we can't, we can't stop. It's just indefatigable. It's like that uh, that uh, floating device that we put underwater that keeps popping up, bob bobbing up, like that life preserver. Lord, uh, may Lord uh, that be what uh, would propel us or compel us into such this uh, uh, lofty office as that of elder of the Church of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat>